Ali, it seems to be, well, kind of going the way he wants. He's not dancing as much as we thought, but he uh, seems able to control him. Now, it's a pretty good, good heavy right hand taken on the left side of the cheek by Ali. Good right hand thrown by Foreman that time. Again, for Foreman, it seems to be one, two, maybe three good punches. That punch taken on the gloves, that one slips by the left ear, tries to go with that right uppercut that felled Kenny Norton. The left hand again thrown out by Foreman. Both fighters now very much more fatigued than they were around or so ago. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the world's most beautiful city, San Francisco, California, Ring Talk, your inside look into the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? Ring Talk on Sports Byline is brought to you by the World Boxing Organization and ringtalk.com. Yes, sir. Happy days are here again. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in history. What are you doing? I'm starting a fight. He's going to finish it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Pedro Fernandez. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a sad day in the world of combat sports, the passing of the greatest, Muhammad Ali, of course, the three-time world heavyweight champion, passing away at the age of 74 years old, incredible, the uh, life that he had, of course, began his professional career back in 1960 after winning the Olympic gold medal at light heavyweight, not heavyweight, back in the 1960 game, so we're going to talk a lot about Muhammad Ali today, my relationship with him, of course, I got to spend some time with him in Asia on a couple of tours, spent some time with him here in, here in the United States, listen to some of his greatest quotes, I mean, when he told Ken Norton that he thought Ken Norton beat him in that third fight, he said, hey champ, remember that third fight, well, I think he got the best of me, I mean, Ken Norton started crying, it was incredible, lots of emotional moments to share with Muhammad Ali today, of course, we're bringing the godfather himself, Larry Merchant will be here for sure. We're trying to get Don King and Larry Holmes as well. So we're trying to round things out today. We're going to do an all-Muhammad Ali show. If you want to join us, you can on the toll-free with your thoughts about the greatest. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. Via the Skype line, that's happening as well. And the address is Sports Byline and the number two. And straight up, we've got the Twitter thing going as well. Ring Talk, R-I-N-G-T-A-L-K. This is Ring Talk live worldwide celebrating the life of the greatest athlete in the history of the planet, Muhammad Ali on Sports Pilot. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall & Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt, and Wall & Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall & Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall & Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. 
Do you have an old car sitting in your driveway? How would you like to learn a hassle-free way to get rid of it, help kids in need, and get a great tax donation in the process? It's real easy. One simple free call to our car donation hotline is all it takes. Call the Nishama Foundation at 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. We'll come pick your car up for free and give you a tax donation for the full value of the car, running or not. The value of your unwanted car will go to help kids in need. It's fast and easy. Just call us and your car will be gone and on its way to helping children in 48 hours. And you get a nice tax deduction. Call the Nishama Foundation now to get rid of your car, help kids, and get a tax write-off. Call 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. Tired of paying outrageous prices for prescription drugs? Well, we have great news. Now you can finally get prescription drugs at huge discounts from Canada Drug Center. That's right, the most popular drugs for cholesterol, high blood pressure, depression, diabetes, arthritis, and many more are now up to 75% off. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices when you can get brand name drugs at the lowest price? Call today and get up to 75% off all the popular brand name prescription drugs. Never pay high prices again. Get the most popular drugs at huge savings from our Canadian and international pharmacies and fulfillment centers. No insurance? No problem. Prices are so low you do not need benefits or insurance to get all your prescriptions fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting to take your call now. Order today and get free shipping. Just call 800-950-1180. Up to 75% off all the popular brand name prescription drugs and free shipping. Call 800-950-1180. That's 800-950-1180. Anchor punch. Which punch? Anchor. I call it the anchor punch. Did someone step and fetch it out? Yeah, man. And people couldn't see it. They, it was so fast. Sport Illustrated clocked the. They got a slow motion camera. They clocked the punch, and the punch flew at four one hundredths of a second. You can break a second down to a hundred pieces. You know how people win a ski race, they say one in 16 one hundredths, he won in 32 one hundredths of a second. So you can break a second down to a hundred pieces. So, you know, yes, quick. So four one hundred, they got a machine that goes like real quick and it counts real quick, you know, real quick. And by the time that thing hit four, that's how quick from the time the punch started to the where it landed, it was four one hundredths of a second, which is an eye blink. Like a camera flash, that's four hundredths of a second. Now, the minute I hit Sonny Listen, all of those people blinked at that moment. That's why they didn't see the <laughs> I swear. Now, if you watch the film close, you gotta hold your eyes. <laughs> And keep looking about that. When I said, all right, I'm getting ready to hit him. You can't just, you got to hold your eyes and wait. So you won't see it, man. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. I remember the start. Muhammad Ali, of course, a career breaker, uh, a career maker in October of 1960, when he fought Tony Hunsaker, my father was bothering me. I mean, back and forth, he kept talking about this guy, Cassius Clay, coming out of the Olympics and how he was going to be the heavyweight champion of the world and this and that. So, I mean, I went through all of Ali's early days, like, listening to my father talk about him. Okay? And then we got up to about, I guess about to about 
14th or 15th fight. Take it back. I think it was the Archie Moore fight that was on television. Got to watch that one in 1962, November of 1962. Of course, Moore coming in, like 185 wins and 21 losses. I mean, the former light heavyweight champion, the icon that he was, was <clears throat> probably in his 70s at the time. No, he was an old guy, as what it was, but he went out in four. And the bottom line was, you know, he was starting to, starting to call these, these, predict these fights. Moore will fall in four and things like that. And he fought Charlie Powell. I think it was probably the best of the uh, guys coming out of the NFL as far as NFL players turning into boxers were concerned. But he fought Charlie Powell in 1963. And then he went on national television, and he might have lost the decision to Doug Jones. In 1963, and, and March 13, 1963, a Saturday, in Madison Square Garden, New York City, a lot of people thought he lost that fight. I mean, when I look at the scorecards, uh, I thought Doug Jones may have imposed his will just a little bit more than, than Cassius Clay did at that night. Of course, then he went off and fought Henry Cooper in his next fight. No struggle there, not the first time around. But straight up, he fought uh, Henry Cooper after getting up off the deck with that big left hook. And, of course, that secured his, his shot for the heavyweight championship with Sonny Liston, which took place you know, in, in, in October of 1960. Take that back, in February of 1964. What am I thinking? In February of 1964. And then it took a while for the rematch because Ali had a hernia operation in between, so they postponed the match. didn't come back until May of 1965, and that was the anchor punch fight in which Sonny Liston went down in the very first round. Now, a lot of people think that the punch didn't land. I thought the punch landed. Uh, Larry Merchant, who was there, and hopefully we're trying to get him on the line as I speak, but he was he's a guy that's, that's photographed between Ali's legs. If you look at that great, great photograph of Ali standing over, listen, telling him to get up with Jersey Joe Walker, the former world heavyweight champion, the referee in Lewiston, Maine. Now, it was just an amazing event. It just, I mean, whoa, a mind blower. And then Larry was with his, ma- with his mouth open. Now he's on the line. Larry, what were you thinking when the anchor punch landed? Uh, I'm sorry, Pedro. I, I missed the question. I've been bombarded here, as you suspect. I suspect, Godfather. We thank you for your time. How's the Godmother Day? Let's, talk, let's start with the important well, thing. She's, she's assisting me here and trying to keep things in order. <laughs> All right. Um, Anyway, you were there, of course. You're in this time capsule of photos for, for the rest of, of eternity with being between Muhammad Ali's legs. That's sort of a weird thing to say, being photographed between Muhammad Ali's legs. Just think from that context. But it was a stunner, and it, it's one for the history books. But what were you thinking? Your mouth was like you opened, you like shocked. Well, there had been such anticipation for the rematch with Sonny Liston and Ali from their original fight more than a year before, like 15 months or so, uh, and building up and building up and building up. And so um, there's always uh, a shock effect when you have the whole thing blow up in a few minutes after all that anticipation. Um, but in this case, um, so that was certainly um, part of the reason that I my mouth was uh, wide open. I I was happen I did happen to be sitting where you could actually see the punch land, um, but it was still a shock. A lot of people were jumping up and yelling "fix" and booing and uh, in their disappointment. Um, the same people who didn't understand that Liston quit in the first fight uh, and and didn't believe their lion eyes 
uh, and didn't understand at the time how really great Ali was. Uh, I believe that Liston was um, desperate and knew that he couldn't get into a long fight with this young, quick, bold, brave kid. And so he came at very hard at Ali early in the, in the first round. And that magnified the effect of a punch that didn't look like it could destroy a fighter who seemed to everyone to be indestructible. Yeah, but Larry, that first round, whether you're a boxer or you're a trainer, that's a, you want to get through that first round. Things happen in the first round that can't happen in any other round. You get caught cold. You weren't ready. Just things happen in that first round that don't happen in other rounds. And, I mean, I always wanted to get my fighters and myself through that first round. They wanted to get listened to that first round. But, obviously, listening came to play. He came to fight. He got struck early. He went down. I didn't think there was all that much controversy to it. My father said, there, there's no controversy to it, son. Don't listen to that. I said, okay, Dad, I'll listen Well, to your you. dad was right. But but still, a lot of people, uh, you know, it's hard, it's, it's hard to uh, uh, stop a myth. And it's part of the... Storyline of Ali, the when it's it's called the you know the fantasy punch. Um, um, later, years later, I was doing a uh, an hour documentary special with Mike Tyson for HBO, and it was about knockouts. And somebody had found a frame by frame sequence of the knockout, and when you see it, and you could not actually see this in real time but when you see it in the slowest of slow motion you see the punch landing on the chin you see Liston's head jerking back which according to the ring doctors I've talked to is where the medulla oblongata in the neck causes a knockout a fighter who doesn't see a punch coming he's relaxed he doesn't brace and he gets hit by a punch he doesn't see, which, and he's coming forward full speed. All that was hard to put together at the time against the popular sense that something's wrong here. Sonny, this is not supposed to be happening to Sonny Liston. Uh, Muhammad Ali is more of a showman than a fighter, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't a, until... Years later, with the hindsight of how great he truly was, that people could maybe start to piece it all together. You know, when I look at the career of Ali, all the fights, of course, from 1960 to 1981, it ended, of course, with Trevor Burbick and, uh, bah- and the drama in the Bahamas. Anyway, I look back at all the different fights, Larry, and I think the, the best hands I ever saw him with was in 1960s when he took on uh, a guy that had been long-time shot, but... Uh, and in fact, in fact, he was shot actually with a gun. Cleveland Williams, Cleveland Big Cat Williams. I just thought the combinations he threw together that day were probably the best ever as far as heavyweight punches were concerned and that nobody could ever top that. You know what combos I'm talking about, right? Well, yes, and, and, and that changed the minds of the old establishment, which couldn't stand Ali because of his showmanship, because they had never seen or heard anything like this big lightning fast kid, but that fight, those combinations, uh, they came around and they and they said, "Okay, this is a real heavyweight champion." 
You know, Larry, they, they, he's been dogged in the press for being a draft dodger and all kinds of stuff. But when I went around the world with him, the couple places, few places that we went together in China and then, of course, Antigua and places like that in the Caribbean, I mean, people, the traffic stopped. I mean, when people heard he was in town, crowds would flock to the hotel. I remember there was one time in Macau we had to sneak out the back door of a hotel. There was like a couple thousand people in front. I mean, he was an icon of icons. I mean, I guess, I, I guess he was like the icon. Well, I don't think there's ever been any athlete quite like him. He transcended not just boxing, but borders and oceans and mountains and continents. And there wasn't a person in the world who didn't know he existed. Uh, no matter how remote the area you lived in, whether it was in the North Pole or some tiny speck of an island in the Pacific Ocean or some desert or 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 anywhere in the universe. I mean, changing communications helped that, but the fact that he was this big, uh, beautiful um, uh, showman heavyweight champion and outspoken uh, social activist and uh, constantly in controversies at a time when there was so much change blowing in, in the wind. And he became part of that change. And a lot of people resist change. And, of course, his being black and turning from a Christian to a black Muslim and uh, criticizing the government and, and, and being a conscientious objector about Vietnam, uh, was un- those things were unheard of. Um, the star athletes were... We were supposed to be like soldiers. Soldiers and government coins, token yeah. government, exactly. Godfather, wish the godmother the best. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Pedro. The great Larry Merchant on the greatest Muhammad Ali via Sports Byline. They say that actually every time that I enter the ring, in a way, I'm going to war. They say to me daily, you are prize vital. What's the difference? And I like to say to those critics of the press and to the others that there is one hell of a lot of difference in fighting in the rain and going to war in Vietnam. Hey there, travelers. You going somewhere? Need a hotel? Then call Hotel Wiz anytime, day or night for rates too low to publish. You can save up to 75% on over 500,000 hotels across the globe and get our best price guarantee with no booking or cancellation fees ever. We've got some of the lowest hotel prices you'll find in New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and a lot more. Don't waste your time surfing for deals. Make a free call right now and find deals too low to publish. Save up to 75% right now with no cancellation fees. And to make it even easier on you, we're here 24-7 to help. So call right now. Bookmark us in your cell phone. Whatever you need to do, just pick up the phone and call this number for hotel deals that'll knock your socks off. 800-507-3777. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. 
truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. And was he doing anything differently up to the time you hit him from the first fight? Well, Howard Cosell, he, what he was doing was, uh, this fella making all this noise is Howard Cosell. What, what he was doing, Howard... Good luck. I hope it's not an act. I hope you mean it. If it's an act, just look at my record and see if there have the other fights been acts. Have they been acts? Not so far. Well, what makes you think I'm acting? <laughs> and with that final stage of the act... This is unexpected. I didn't know you would invite me to do this. Oh, hold it. You must be on boxing position and just have a little dance like we're boxing. And, and just for one second, I have to time it. And for one second... Whom would you like to fight and where and when? I'd like to fight whoever you think's the best, the number one man. I'd say he's Zoe Foley. I'm not sure that there's anybody left, really, for you to fight. You. That may come about someday. Thank you for coming Stay in shape. Are you taking Zoe Foley too lightly? Why would you say that? Because every indication has been that you're confident that you can beat Zara. I'm confident I can whoop all of them. This ain't nothing new. My image is being confident. What you're trying to make it look like something new for? I'm always confident I can whoop all of them. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent mean, if that's good, I'm that. Well, I'll tell you, Cosell, I've been taking oxygen because I needed the oxygen. What you will see is I won't need the oxygen tonight. I'm ready. I want you so bad, I just get tired. I, I done made you great in this country, and you still popping off. I want you bad. Wait, let's get the facts straight. I made you. You made Nobody me. Nobody knew you. You made me. I took a poor little kid from Lowerville and, and made, made me. Thing. Let's put anybody it on the thing. About, anybody who didn't watch football didn't know you. <laughs> Come on, it gets back with the interview now. Number two. 
The body is now aging. A shell of what it used to be. The man's beset by fear. What are you going to do to George Foreman? <laughs> he just said the man's body is not what it used to be. The man is beset by fear. Talking about me. Are you crazy? If I had a lower IQ, I could enjoy your interview. <laughs> As you said, it was extraordinary. It was still a good fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. But the fight. sacrifice, fight, how would I dance 12 rounds three years later? I got the films, if you don't believe me. I saw it. I called it. Well, you right. thought that fight was no contest. You're not as dumb as you look. Neither are you. And that's saying a lot coming from me. What you call Let's it? tell it like it is. Right from the beginning. I've made you famous enough. Everywhere I go, you follow me to get your name in the papers and on television. I'd still you. be stealing bikes in Louisville if Don't it tell me. Don't tell people I stole bikes. Everybody's talking about Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. This chumps out there think Joe Frazier can beat me. I'm Muhammad Ali. I am the greatest. I brought to boxing the anchor punch, the ghetto walker, the bull punch, the Malaysian waltz, the double shuffle, the Russian bank, the rope and the rock. You realize we are opening up the sack. This is live. Split screen. I talk to you. I talk to Frazier. These people will then have a chance to evaluate your courage or lack thereof. You understand? I mean, speaking simple English, I didn't go to school. I don't understand all these big words. You're always coming up with a lot of big words. You know what I'm going to do? I promise you this, and I promise the world. People want to see me slap you. They want to see me do something to you, and I, that's against the law. But I'll tell you what, one of these days, I promise you, the next time you get in the ring agitating with me, I hope you're there on my last fight. I swear I'm going to pull it off. Howard Cosell, show the people that you're not the man you was a few years ago. Muhammad, you're not the man you were 10 years ago, right? Right. Well, I'm going to ask your wife, are you the man you was last year? You'll get a quick answer to that. All of the years, all of the times together, I've enjoyed them. You're a very special man with a very special meaning. Thank to all of the American people. Thank you. I congratulate you. It's my honor. Your name is Muhammad Ali. All the years, everything that's passed between us, it's so hard to believe and so memorable. And now, it's time to say to you, Muhammad, God bless you, and happy birthday to you. You're 50 years old. I never thought that could happen. Not to you. But it has. And you know something? 
you are exactly who you said you are you never waver you are free to be who you want to be i love you i'm looking at the the record here of muhammad ali and i think this hot run you know I mean, Larry Merch was talking about he had beaten everybody, or, or Cosell said he had beaten everybody. He had a hell of a run. Let me tell you like this. After beating Listen the second time in the anchor punch, he went on to beat Floyd Patterson, former heavyweight champion, beat George Vallow over 15 rounds. That was in March of 1966. And two months later, he fought Henry Cooper, got knocked down, I think, and never No, take it back. That was a fight in which he won going away. Then he fought Brian London in, in August. Then, wait, one month later, he fought Carl Mildenberger, and that was over in Germany. And then, of course, in uh, November of 1966, when he had that fight with Cleveland Big Cat Williams, which I thought was his physical peak as far as the greatest, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest. All right, the bottom line was, um, you know, he came back, he fought Ernie Terrell. And, of course, Ernie Terrell, he punished Ernie Terrell for 15 rounds over there at the Astrodome in Houston, uh, Texas, when he when Terrell wouldn't call him by his name. Muhammad Ali kept calling him Cassius Clay. And, you know, well, he made him pay for that one. That was, that was a brutal side, a little... A, 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 a mean side of Muhammad Ali. We saw a mean streak in him that night. Of course, the Zora Foley fight, 1967, was the end of the first run of Muhammad Ali. It would be three and a half years before he came back, two and a half years before he came back. Of course, late uh, 1970 in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places. Took on Jerry Corey, stopped him in three rounds on a cut. But Corey had come to fight. Corey was 37-4, of course, the great white hope of the 60s and 70s. And, you know, thinking of, of Jerry Corey. Jerry Corey passed away. Sonny Liston, of course, passed away. Kenny Norton passed away. Joe Frazier passed away. I mean, holy cow. Ali was, you know, and Ali was in poor health all along. I mean, everybody kept saying, when's Ali going to go? When's Ali going to go? And all these other guys were dropping by the wayside. But the bottom line is he fought a long, hard fight all the way to the end. He told me, don't feel sorry for me. I'm okay. That's what he told me one time when he was in real bad shape wearing a trip over in in China, he was in real bad shape. We're in a in a in a in a boat coming over from a helicoil, and the flight wasn't good to him from the United States to China. But the bottom line was, he was the greatest. We're celebrating the life of the great Muhammad Ali. Some more insight right here on Sports Byline after the break. You are tuned to Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, and for the troops out there, the American Forces Network. I think boxing is dangerous. Uh, any man been hit in the head, the brain's a delicate thing. I think it, sh- it should be well protected. If a fellow's not qualified, he shouldn't be allowed to fight. But football is proven to have more deaths. Baseball, ice hockey, horse racing is a uh, car racing is much more dangerous. But I would uh, advise nobody to box if they get hit too much and it's too dangerous. Do you have an old car sitting in your driveway? How would you like to learn a hassle-free way to get rid of it, help kids in need, and get a great tax donation in the process? It's real easy. One simple free call to our car donation hotline is all it takes. Call the Nishama Foundation at 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. We'll come pick your car up for free and give you a tax donation for the full value of the car, running or not. 
The value of your unwanted car will go to help kids in need. It's fast and easy. Just call us and your car will be gone and on its way to helping children in 48 hours. And you get a nice tax deduction. Call the Nishama Foundation now to get rid of your car, help kids, and get a tax write-off. Call 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. That's 800-760-4895. Hi, Rick Tittle here. You may know me as the sports talk host. I can talk about all sports, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, rollerball. But this time I'm here to talk about pain. If you have pain in your knee or your back like I do, then you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. If Medicare is your primary insurance, then you could qualify for a back or knee brace at little or no charge. I have an old injury from my football playing days, and anything that can help take that pain away and make it more manageable, that has my attention. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for back, ankle, knee, or shoulder pain, please call the Health Alert Hotline at 800-428-1570. That's 800-428-1570. Agents are standing by 24-7, so go ahead and call now, 800-428-1570. 1570. Attention. If you're in the market for a power scooter to reclaim your freedom, we have great news. Hartway, one of the world's leading manufacturers, has new factory direct power scooters for as little as $39 a month. Now you can stay active and have the freedom that a power scooter can give you. For over 20 years, we've been building the best and most reliable power scooters in the marketplace. And now with our new direct-to-consumer division, we can offer you wholesale prices. Plus, with Hardway Care Service, you are always protected. You will not find a better power scooter for as little as $39 a month anywhere. And with free shipping, if you call today, you can have a new power scooter delivered to your door for free in days. Financing is easy with your credit card or PayPal credit. Call now. 1-800-427-0183. 1-800-427-0183. That's 1-800-427-0183. 1-800-427-0183. Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Check it 39, make it 40 minutes past the hour. This is Sports Byline. I am the man, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the radio race, Pedro Fernandez, of course. Wow, often imitated but never duplicated. I mean, that's, that's the best way you could describe Muhammad Ali. How many fighters wanted to be like him afterwards and just weren't able? Well, let's go back in the Ring Talk archives, back to 1972. Of course, Muhammad Ali is taking on George Shavalo. Muhammad Ali says he will be the first man to knock George Shavalo off his feet. 
This is the second reckoning they fought before. Muhammad Ali won a 15-round decision that says it was the hardest fight he ever had. He was hit harder by Jamalo than anyone with the exception of Joe Frazier. A minute has gone by in round one. Ali lands with a combination of not too much power. is dancing more springly. And a good, solid combination by Ali rocks Jamalo, but he comes back. Ali is faster here in round one than we've seen him in his previous rounds against Mathis, against Mike Foster, and against Jimmy Ellis. Muhammad Ali apparently in love with the condition he is now in. Just wants to fight up to the top of his medal. Moving like we've never seen him in a first round of any of his fights. He was 2-13, I think, in his fight with Sonny Liston. The first or second time, sure. Ali threw one good combination. They are fighting the five-point must system, as you know. Outside of that, Shivalo has not been hit very hard and has not landed too much back effectively. 30 seconds remaining in round one. Still trying to cut off Ali. Strong left hand. Ali allowed himself to be back into the corner and Chavalo said anytime he goes into a rope or into a corner, I'll be there. 1972, Muhammad Ali, of course, taking on George Chavalo. When I talk with George later in life, of course, we talked a couple of times in length in the 80s and then again in the 90s, but he told me, you know, like, he was facing the greatest athlete he had ever faced. I mean, he was saying to my saying, he told me, he goes, how do you, how can you outbox this guy? How can you outbox such a, a great boxer, a guy that had all these physical attributes, all these advantages over you? Well, I had to turn it into a street fight and did my best to turn it into a street fight. And of course he tried to, and George Vallo gave it his all. One of the toughest guys to ever put on the gloves, the former Canadian heavyweight champion. Talk about George Chavalo. Now, my memories of Muhammad Ali. A lot of them. I mean, I thought about it. That's why I didn't sleep too good last night. I mean, this sort of found out about this about 8 or 9 o'clock last night Pacific time. Um, thought I would take a chill pill maybe and, you know, relax for the night. But I was up four or five times, just a little bit of anxiety as I uh, approached this show because I really didn't know how to come across this. You know what I mean? You know, we knew it was going to Everybody dies. You know, I might have died before Muhammad Ali. So, in other words, I might have not been able to do this show. I mean, that's just the way it is. Life is so... So precious. We never know. But, you know, when I first met him, it was at the Civic Auditorium. I think Zora Foley was fighting here in 1966. And I can't remember who he was fighting against, but I think it was Foley and Machen. I'm not sure. But anyway, Muhammad Ali was here. I think he had just uh, beaten, uh, he just defended the heavyweight championship. He was looking good. He was a young man. I mean, no doubt about it. But, you know, he wasn't the outspoken person that he was uh, later in life. I mean, I watched him sit ringside. Didn't do anything crazy. Didn't do any, you know, didn't scream, didn't jump up and down, didn't do any cheerleading, this and that. But then later in life, you know, he became a, a little bit more, how can I put this, animated, at least when I was around. And when I got to spend time with him in the 90s, of course, he was accelerated. So, I mean, it advanced as far as his age was concerned. But, you know, when they, they said to me, this, look, we're going to give you money to travel with Muhammad Ali over to China. And I thought it was a bit of a joke. I said, you got to be kidding me. No, no, we're going to give you this to do this. I said, well, what do you need? He said, well, we need you to you know, do some press work for him. In other words, introduce him at different press conferences and, you know, help him if he needs some, some personal help here and there. Just watch him. I mean, don't let no nuts run up to him with knives and things like that as well because, you know, I do have a security and law enforcement background. 
So I said, yeah, this is, this is really cool. So we go on over to uh, China. It's the second time I've been to uh, China with him. Of course, the first time we went for the brawl at the wall and was in February or March of 1993. Of course, the first fight ever in the People's Republic of China since 1949 and the Mao Zedong Communist takeover. But we had this good fight card over there because Leonzo Barber defended the WBO, a light heavyweight title against, um, God, I can't think of the name right now. But the bottom line is Emmanuel Stewart was in the house. Harold Smith was in the house. Muhammad Ali was up in this the secret, v, this little VIP box with the, the, the number one guy in China. I mean, it was an incredible event. But, of course, there weren't too many poor people there. It was only the rich people. They showed us a lot of rich China. When Ali and I toured China, we went to, like, a place called by the name of Zhuhai. It had all these beautiful white beaches, just miles and miles and miles and miles of white beaches. But they were abandoned. There was nobody on them. And we're talking a country with a billion people. I mean, why would they not want to spend some time on this beach? Well, it turns out they couldn't. Only the rich and the affluent could spend time on the beach. Of course, we went from... I remember that tour, we went from Macau, we went to Zhuhai, then we went to Guangzhou, then we went to Shanghai, then we went back to Hong Kong, and then, of course, we came back to the United States. This took about eight days in 1994, and he was, he was still in, in pretty good shape as far as physically was concerned. I mean, a couple of days there, I remember when he didn't take his medication. You know, he didn't like taking that Parkinson's medication because it sort of it stymied him to an extent. It made him a little null and void at times, and, you know, I mean, he wanted to he wanted to be involved as much as he could. I mean, in conversation and in, in thought, he really wanted to be there, but his limitations were the fact that his brain, because of the Parkinson's disease and the Parkinson's syndrome, call it what you want. I don't want to care. I don't want to, talk, I don't want to debate on how it was brought on, but obviously professional boxing probably didn't help him out any. But then again, there's thousands, if not millions of people in this world that have Parkinson's disease and never boxed. So straight up, when Ali started to develop the Parkinson's disease, this was like in the 80s, you sort of, sort of saw it coming after the Larry Holmes fight and the Trevor Burbick fight, of course, the, the swan song in 1981 in which he lost a 10-round decision over at the, I think they called it, what they called it, the drama in the Bahamas? Is that what Don King called that one? or would, No, Don King wasn't involved with that one. It was Ali and Trevor Burbick, and then uh, Don King got sort of roughed up, I think, by the Muslims over there. It was a weird, weird night. Anyway, the bottom line was, Muhammad Ali has been a fantastic athlete, a fantastic human being, probably a better human being than he was an athlete. You know, and I asked him about his athletic endeavors and, you know, how he was graced with all this skill and this and that. He said a lot of it was natural, but he worked hard. I mean, especially after that two-and-a-half-year, almost three-year layoff when, when, the, when he wouldn't accept a step forward and be admitted into the draft of the U.S. Selective Service. I'm talking about the Army back in 1966, of course. At first, he was declared too stupid. He was ignorant. He couldn't pass the test. He's too dumb. He's like, no, we don't want him. We don't want him. Then he started mouthing off about the Vietnam War. And, of course, he changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali in 1964. And that just infuriated the entire world. I mean, as far as the uh, United States was concerned, I mean, the businesses, the corporations, the athletic commissions, the government, everybody was just out against this guy because he was speaking his truth. Truth to sp- I mean, he was just... He didn't let anything back. And I asked him about that. I said, you, know, you paid the price for, for being so bold and being so truthful over the years. He said, I said, you know, I said, why? He said, because somebody had to stand up to these people. Somebody had to stand up and say that the, the Vietnam War was wrong. I mentioned Mark a couple of weeks ago that that Mark passing of, of author Mark Lane, that lawyer from New York City, has forced to set up his office in Spanish Harlem. I mean, here was a guy who had this big law degree from the New York uh, School of Law. And what did he do? He went to opened a, 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 lawyer, a lawyer shop for the poor 
in, in Harlem. And of course, and Ali knew about that. And Ali and Mark Lane had worked together on a couple of aspects as far as the Martin Luther King death was concerned. But, you know, when I look back at the passing of these great guys, you, you really you really can't put it into words. You can't. I mean, I remember that one bus ride in, in Macau. Let's go back to this one bus ride I took with Muhammad Ali in, in Macau. And, you know, I'm not talking about the orphanage. I'm just talking about when we were driving around Macau in this van. It was tinted out to an extent, but they still knew it was us. People were mobbing this tinted out van, knew Muhammad Ali was in it. He had to get out and shake hands. He didn't have to, but he'd tell the driver, hey, let me out, let me out. So he'd get out, and Lonnie would say, no, 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 because he was tired. You know what I mean? He was tired. He was working hard. This was hard work for him. He really was. I mean, in his, in his, in his, uh, in, in, with the illness beset upon him, of course, for over, uh, what, a decade, a decade and a half by the mid-1990s, okay, he was not in the greatest shape in the world, but he tried and he kept doing more than, of course, his body wanted to allow him to do. But getting out, signing autographs, taking pictures. And he wanted to do this with the poor. Didn't want to do it with government officials. Didn't want to do it with uh, celebrities. I mean, there was all kinds of Chinese celebrities that came over. And they wanted to take pictures with Muhammad Ali. And he wasn't all that hip to it. Didn't want to take pictures with the government people. I remember a couple of the pictures he took with the, the number one guy in Macau. I think he was the governor at the time. Ali didn't even look at the camera. And it wasn't out of disrespect. It was just that, he just was disinterested in this government guy. He just was. He wanted to spend time with the people. That's why when we were driving around town, you know, he said to me, he said, I don't want to go meet the mayor. I think we're going to go meet the mayor or something. Like have lunch with the mayor or something like that. I said, we have lunch with the mayor at 1 o'clock. I don't want to go meet the mayor. You know, I don't want, he didn't say it like that, but he didn't want to go meet the mayor. And Lonnie says, he, Muhammad doesn't want to go meet the mayor. I said, well, what does he want to do? So, we, you know, we went around to different different places like like that orphanage I talked about, of course, with the kids with one leg and one arm and the form kids with like one eye and I was just, it was incredible. I mean, everything but a two headed kid is what you saw in this orphanage run by a bunch of Catholic nuns in Macau. I mean, it was run down. They were still using regular diapers with safety pins. Uh, some of the kids were a little dirty from crawling around on the floor all the time. There were no rugs, nothing like that. But of course we came up with about, I think 1200 bucks in, in cash. Ali got about 400 bucks out of me, which he replaced later with his own money. But uh, we got twelve hundred bucks in cash, and he gave it to the sister, and that was enough money to pay for the pay for food for the entire orphanage for a year. So we, you know, we left there feeling pretty proud. But you know, I wasn't proud enough. I mean, I was like bummed out. Here I was a father. You know, I had my daughter Jacqueline had just been born, not too, uh, too, 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 uh, too, too, too. I mean, it's just, it, it was just a mind blower to watch these kids with one arms and this and that. And I had just left a, a baby daughter back in San Francisco, so. I was in tears when we were in this van going home, you know, and back to the hotel, the Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Macau. And he, he sees me a couple of rows back in the tinted out van. And he comes up and he sits down next to me. He says, why are you crying, man? Said, well, you know, I got a daughter, man. And he, well, your daughter's not in that kind of shape. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know. Anyway, and he went back and forth. And you know, he said, you got to stop your crying. I said, well, I'm not really crying. Yeah, you're crying. Okay, well, why do I have to, well, why, well you got to stop your crying because you can't save every puppy in the pound. You just can't do it. You can't. You can try, but you can't. And you know what? Those words ring truer today than they did back in 1994. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Power of power to the break. 52, make it 53 minutes past the hour. This is a sports byline. Joe, I know you don't like to talk at a moment like this, but you're getting two and a half million dollars. 
Will that make any difference than the way you're going to fight? Well, it, uh, it gives me inspiration to, to do a little more, you know, and uh, go forward a little more, and I feel good about it. Hey there, travelers. You going somewhere? Need a hotel? Then call Hotel Wiz anytime, day or night for rates too low to publish. You can save up to 75% on over 500,000 hotels across the globe and get our best price guarantee with no booking or cancellation fees ever. We've got some of the lowest hotel prices you'll find in New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and a lot more. Don't waste your time surfing for deals. Make a free call right now and find deals too low to publish. Save up to 75% right now with no cancellation fees. And to make it even easier on you, we're here 24-7 to help. So call right now. Bookmark us in your cell phone. Whatever you need to do, just pick up the phone and call this number for hotel deals that'll knock your socks off. 800-507-3777-800-507-3777-800-507-3777-800-507-3777. If you or someone you love suffers from drug addiction, now is the time to utilize your private health insurance PPO plan. If eligible, receive up to $30,000 or more in substance abuse benefits with low or no out-of-pocket cost. We are the National Treatment Network, the premier drug and alcohol treatment referral service operating 24-7. We help connect you with facilities nationwide that accepts PPO private health insurance for substance abuse. If you have PPO substance abuse coverage and you need immediate admittance to a medical detox or residential rehab treatment center, call us now. Call our live referral helpline today. The call is free. This program is not available to Medicare or Medicaid customers. Call 800-296-0906. 800-296-0906. That's 800-296-0906. Here's an urgent alert from the Student Loan Hotline. The average student loan debt is $25,000. Have you been out of college for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? If you are struggling with paying off your student loan, if you are past due, we can help. Nationwide Student Loan Relief can now restructure your student loans. We can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop harassing collection calls, and even eliminate your student loan payment. If you can't afford your student loans, or if you're past due and you need help, you must call right now. We will restructure your loan or your money back, and that's a guarantee. So call the Student Loan Hotline right now. 800-949-8707. 800-949-8707. Benny King of the Drifters, and that's not Brent Carter either. That is Cassius Marcellus Clay in 1964 singing the hit. Of course, 
Stand By Me. That was a hit that Benny King brought to the Drifters, and the Drifters didn't want to do it, so Benny did it on his own. It was a multi, uh, multi-platinum multi record, and, of course, Muhammad Ali took it. And, and there was actually some radio play for some of Ali's songs back off that album in 1964. Of course, we're paying tribute to the, the great Muhammad Ali. He passed away yesterday after a long illness. Of course, a battle with Parkinson's, which took place, was started in, in the mid-1980s. In fact, people could see a little bit earlier in the 70s, late in the mid-1970s, his face would start to contort on one side and sort of sort of sort of facial features sort of of starting to fade and things like that you know but forget his health i remember what he told me one time when we were driving around macau they were in this bus around macau i really grilled him okay and he said i said to him you know what about this tie with the muslims i said you know was that a, was that a, was that a good thing and he said to me i said you know because they they took half your money and you know he goes wait well, without their representation i'd just be some other nigga an ex-fighter that was a nigga that's what he said to me quote i said whoa i was blown away by it but that's the way he put it. I mean, think about this. If he wasn't Muhammad Ali, if he was just Cassius Marcellus Clay, and he wasn't a guy that went up against the government in the draft, and he wasn't a guy that stood up against the Vietnam War and things like that, he'd just be another ex-black fighter to an extent. I guess he does have a point there. Of course, the uh, Nation of Islam, when he joined it in 1964, was predominantly a, uh, a religious sect that was dominated by ex-cons and things like that, of course, run by the the uh, Elijah Muhammad, of course, who was later disgraced, things like that, as far as his historical legacy was concerned. But, you know, Muhammad Ali always stayed true to being a Muslim. He always did. I mean, when it came to the booze, didn't want to touch the booze when we were together in Macau. Of course, I drank 16 shots one night. They gave us eight shots of this, like, $400 uh, bottle uh, uh, cognac, okay? And I was sitting next to him, so they would sit a shot down for him and a shot down for me. And, of course, I drank 16 shots. Needless to say, I almost died. But Lonnie, Smith, Lonnie Ali, of course, that was uh, Muhammad Ali's wife, now his widow. She put me in bed that night at the Mandarin Hotel. That was a cute evening, no question about it. So I bring you my Muhammad Ali moments, and I've tried to put this together in a good way, but the bottom line is I've been bummed out and wanted to cry this entire show. So I thank Scott Cuddy for holding my hand. This is Sports Byline, Ring Talk Live Worldwide, or Saturdays and Sundays, 11 a.m. Pacific time, right here on Sports Byline. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. The greatest 